It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, I'm George Cup. And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gur. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Kaffinger, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Karp and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be discussing the following. Do the European election results show Euroscepticism is continuing to rise? Who is the greatest music act of all time? And lastly, do you believe in miracles? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked you to send your opinions in on 
how you think young people can be encouraged into politics. So Callum and I have always tried to champion younger voices when it comes to debating, having an opinion and getting involved with politics. That is partly why we started doing the radio show. Um, we both believe that even if you are young, your opinion counts as much as anyone else's. It has always been hard to get young people engaged in politics and to have opinionated debates and discussions. That's why we want to know how you think we can help get younger people into politics. So our first opinion comes in from Will and he says I'm not really sure what needs to be done to encourage young people to get into politics but I do know that having constant votes and changes doesn't help it's hard enough for me to encourage my friends to vote in elections anyway but how can I say it's really important you vote in this one if history has shown that just a few months or a year or so later the Prime Minister will change the next PM will be the second to come in unelected and the European parliamentary elections uh, we just had are about to have no impact when we leave the EU. How can we say they're important when the votes might not even be respected? Well, Callum, your thoughts, please. Yeah, no, I think it's um, it's a it's a good opinion from Will. I think he, he's dead right in saying about the kind of devaluation of elections. It's, it's really important. And um, in terms of the European Parliament elections, which we just have, he, he's dead right that, you know, the, this ultimately, if we do leave come the 31st, is 31st of October, is it, George? It is, it's Halloween. Yes, um, there's nothing um, telling about that. Um, but <laughs> um, no, I mean, if we do end up leaving, then, then these these elections in, in from a UK perspective are going to have very little relevance other than that they were a kind of possibly what pushed any kind of deal or no deal over the line um, just because of the fact that the Brexit party polled so strongly and got such a high return of seats it, it may end up pushing uh, the Conservatives particularly who have obviously got their um, leadership election happening at the moment it might push them towards a, a kind of no deal but but I think in terms of the more broad question about kind of how we get young people to be encouraged into politics. I think it is a massive challenge if we keep having these votes and saying every time these are so, so important um, and they're kind of like seismic events in Britain's history and then have another vote um, a year later, two years later, that also is so, so important. I think the one thing I probably would say is that I think we are living in extraordinary political times. I've said it a few yeah. times on the show. And, and I do think that although it sounds a bit far fetched that we could have so many important elections, um, I think ultimately um, we are because I think the kind of very fabric in which politics has been conducted since around about the 1980s or so, I think that is being torn up at the moment um, and a, a kind of new order as it were is is kind of developing um between rather than distinctly left and right platforms i think it's becoming more and more about um whether you're kind of liberal and internationalist or you're more uh, kind of socially conservative um and and more kind of traditionalist and, and want to kind of focus on issues close to home first before we look abroad um and, and so i think under those circumstances, it does mean that although it's a, it seems ridiculous to say, almost every election is really, really important uh, at the moment. I guess probably 
uh, for Will when he's trying to convince uh, his friends to vote. That would probably be the argument that I'd be going down. I mean, how do you feel about that, George? Do you think that's a, a strong argument to have or do you have a different one to kind of combat that? Um, I mean, I think it absolutely is a very strong argument to have. Um, and I and I do think it's it's sad to hear that um, people are losing trust in our own democracy and our own way of a um, voting system. And I think it's quite right that that is happening uh, because I think a lot of people are now feeling quite disconnected in terms of politics, disconnected from their MPs um, and disconnected in just the way our country is run at the moment. And, and I think that is due to because we are having all these elections and but i i mean the one thing i would argue against is having different prime ministers when you vote on one thing but i i would just argue that's democracy you know if if after four years at a general election if they if that prime minister hasn't done a good job then of course they're going to get voted out um i know as callum rightly has pointed out it is quite um different in terms of uh how kind of uh, confusing politics is at the moment with all these elections going left, right and centre. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can understand how it is hard to get your friends to vote. But I think the importance of it is, is just convince them by saying, you know, no matter whether one vote is ignored or not, or you perceive to think that one vote is ignored, every single vote that you do is is so important. You know, you might say the European elections weren't important, but it gave a clear um kind of mandate to say that the country is still in favor of a brexit yet there are still quite a lot of high percentage of remainers and and i think it was important to have that in a, in a sense it was treated like a second referendum in a way um so even though we're having a lot of votes i would say don't um discredit them yeah yeah um, so moving on to the next opinion, it's from Katie. Katie says, we need candidates which reflect the views of young people. We need to be able to see ourselves in our politicians. And currently, pretty much all of our politicians are old white guys. I don't think any of our politicians have a clue about what it's like to be a young person in this country at the moment. So why would why should we vote for them? I would say that Sadiq Khan is probably the closest to really reflecting young people's opinions. But even so, he's nearly 50. I don't even think it's policy based. I think it's just having people who look like us and understand the life we live. What do you think of that, George? Well, I, I think that's um, a really, really nice way to break down how um, how you're feeling um, and also how I think a lot of people are, are feeling as well. A lot of young people are feeling. And I, um, I know both Callum and I ha have always tried to make sure that there are there is kind of that young voice in politics but it is so so hard to have um mps that are our age um and i mean for the first time um callum and i's local council there are young representatives on that now um yeah. and and it, i think we are starting to see parties realize how important it is to have a backing of young people and have a representative voice of young people as well and you know the, like the conservatives launched young conservatives last year and that's going really well um obviously labor have got momentum liberal democrats have got, liberal democrats have got um the young liberals um so yeah I, I think it's it's really important that we are encouraging young people to stand um but unfortunately i think also the thing is is people that are our age um kaylee don't actually want to go into parliament and don't really want to become an mp it's very rare to find someone that does want to have that commitment because it is such a hard job um and sometimes at our age it's 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 not 
um that's appealing but there are the rare ones out there that do want it and those people we need to absolutely push and encourage um what are your thoughts Callum? Yeah, no, I think um, being able to see yourself in politicians is really important. I think it'll be interesting to see from maybe a more of a Scottish perspective, but also um, the wider UK, what kind of influence having someone like Mari Black um, in Parliament has. Um, obviously, yeah. Yeah, a very young politician who I think she was in university when she first got elected or only recently finished university when she first got elected. Um, so I think having someone like that, that you can really look, at, yeah, and see yourself in uh, is going to be um, really important because if you have a look at someone like Margaret Thatcher who maybe you're you're not a fan of her policies per se um, but the kind of effect she had on encouraging women into power in general um, is obviously massive and, and from an American perspective Barack Obama as well so um, I think it's a really good point from Kayleigh. No, absolutely. And I'm just going to quickly read this one because I think it's a really important opinion from Oliver. Um, and he says, politics isn't welcome to young people. Even with the uh, school walkouts over climate change, the government's response was so condescending, condescending and we just... Uh, was and was just like get back to school no change ever happens in politics that benefits young people currently all politicians are talking about is brexit which has gotten so old now and i wasn't even old enough to vote in the brexit referendum so i've missed out on that and i definitely feel l left out of politics because of it Callum, just a quick quick line on that yeah i mean i think it's a really good point from oliver and i definitely sympathize with a lot of that i think probably what one thing i'd say is that if you are feeling kind of left out by politics get involved and and then maybe you won't feel so left out sort of thing and 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 get the the issues that, that you want covered um to be to be covered as such in even in kind of a small way which is similar to what me and you, George, have done in terms of the radio show. No, absolutely. I mean, go online, find out which party best represents the things you believe in, and then contact your local um, association of that party and get involved. Because honestly, um, I can guarantee they will be um, they will be benefited by your um, knowledge and experience and being young as well. Yes. Um, right. OK, so remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. Um, right then, we've reached time for our first break. So we'll be back very soon. countries, even if overall the mainstream European People's Parties and Socialists and Democrats did maintain their positions as the largest parties across Europe. So the Greens managed to win 69 seats, an increase of 17, whilst the Alliance of Liberals and Democrats in Europe won 105, a 37 seat increase. But at the other end of the political spectrum, the Europe of Nations and Freedoms increased their seat by 22 to 58 seats overall. Uh, whilst Nigel Farage's Europe of freed uh, of nations, uh, uh, sorry, of freedom and direct democracy, won 54 seats, a 13 seat increase. Many have interpreted the gains of the Eurosceptic parties as a sign of this ideology continuing to rise um, across Europe. But the rise of green, green and liberal parties in this election makes this claim debatable. 
George, how do you think we should interpret these results as evidence of Euroscepticism's continued rise or as a more general sign of unrest against domestic politics? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I think it's um, quite clearly a bit of both. Uh, I think in all countries we have seen that um, there is a rising uh, attack against the EU. Uh, people are fed up with the EU. People don't are increasingly not liking the EU. But also, we are seeing those parties like the Liberal, the Liberal Party, like the Green Party, um, really make gains because um, the people that feel we should still be in the EU are losing trust within the main run parties like your conservative parties like your Labour parties and are trying to find a, a political home elsewhere and they found that within um, the Liberals and the Green Party but also I want I want to really push up on the Green Party as well in terms of I think they did so well because of the threat of our climate and because we are um in a in a climate crisis practically and and i think people are very aware of that so they chose to do that um i i think sometimes it's it's wrong to interpret the european elections just in in the way that um people voted this way just to be against uh, the eu or people voted this way just be to, to remain the eu because let's not forget that a lot of these parties that stood did have manifestos and and for example like the greens were to be more eco-friendly to reduce our carbon footprint and a lot of people did vote for that um and, and across the whole spectrum across the, all the the uh, 27 states in um europe but but also i think what is key is that there is absolute um distrust within our traditional parties and we've seen that across the board um, and I think it's quite right. People are now wanting to have parties that truly represent what they, they are um, standing for. And and I don't believe that sometimes the main parties that, that are running, people don't trust, trust in them anymore. And, and because of that, they need to have that um, kind of protest vote. In terms of the United Kingdom, I think a lot of it was a protest vote. Either way, whether you voted um, for a Remain party or a Leave party, I think a lot of it was a, a protest vote because in the United Kingdom, they knew there wasn't really going to be much of, of an impact. Um, but I do think people are just looking for change and, and to, to try and make a, a political stamp on their own feelings. Um, so, so yeah, I, I believe there is rising um, Euroscepticism, but at the same time, I think there is rising even more so distrust in the main parties that countries have normally been used to voting for. Um, but what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I think obviously you can't rule out the fact that Euroscepticism has played a big part in these elections and, and that obviously there is a significant number of people who are Eurosceptic or at least are voting for, for parties that are Eurosceptic. Uh, and I think those kind of parties, um, generally, their, their manifestos are involved around not necessarily completely coming out of the European Union because a lot of Eurosceptic parties in, in the continent are kind of in a, from a British perspective a lot more moderate than that and it's more targeted around things like the euro mm. um but I think um they they still obviously it does show this kind of desire for change within the European Union uh and the fact that there is a, a great deal of skepticism 
but of course, as, as you say, George, you can't really rule out the Greens and and the the Liberal parties as well, because because they have risen quite significantly um, during these elections as well. And and the Liberals are, are very kind of overwhelmingly pro-European. Um, the Greens are not so overwhelmingly pro-European um, across the continent as such. I think, obviously, from a, from a British perspective, obviously, they very much are. Um, but a lot of the uh, Green parties across the continent are possibly in government or vying more towards government than what our Green Party are. So they're, they've become a lot more moderate, I think, than what uh, the Green Party is from a British perspective. Um, but I think, of course, we do have to um, read these elections, probably more than Euroscepticism, which we already knew existed. I think the kind of big factor I would draw as a lesson from these elections is what a political football um, kind of environmentalism, the climate emergency that our planet faces, um, what a political football that has become uh, and a really big kind of vote winner. Because I think although there are obviously a whole raft of reasons why people will vote for Green parties, I think for a lot of people, it is a very much a single issue kind of vote why you would vote for the Green Party. And, and it's to say that we are facing a climate emergency right now. Our politicians aren't doing enough about it. Now pull your finger out, essentially. Um, so, so I think really that's the the big lesson I would be drawing from these elections and and for the kind of European People's Parties and Socialists and Democrats in Europe, I think it's a sign that they they need to do a lot more. But also from a kind of domestic perspective, not just from the UK, but also across the continent, I think it's a sign that national governments need to do a lot more about this because it's it's clearly become a, a big thing, um, at least across the kind of Western and Southern Europe. Yeah, but I, I, I think I think also the European elections are, um, especially in the United Kingdom, in, in terms that you know this is this isn't first past the post um, electoral system. This is um, proportional representation, and because of that, people know that they can truly vote in a way that they want to vote. And I think for a very long time, especially in terms of first past the post electoral systems, uh, people will vote um, strategically to stop either one party getting in and, and to make sure that the party that, that maybe they don't necessarily want, but they know is most, they is the second best choice yeah. um, voting for. So I, I think also what, what, what we've seen is that the, the public have turned around to the two mainstream parties that have been um, going for a very long time with a majority in, in Europe for over 40 years and turn around and said, look, if you don't listen to our concerns, we aren't afraid to vote for a different party that will represent our views. And I think it's a fascinating time because we are seeing parties that are incredibly small or were once incredibly small, getting incredible gains and becoming uh, making history in terms of the gains that they are they are getting in, in seats and vote share. Um, and I think it's also a push to the governments and the um, democratic states that don't already have proportional representation in place to have to get it implemented because it's the only fair way we can turn around and say um, it's a democratic vote, in, in my own opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I completely agree with you, though. I mean, politics is 
becoming a lot more pluralist now um, across yeah. the continent, as we can see here. Um, and yeah, from a from a British perspective, um, absolutely, I think it's a sign that if we're going to properly represent people's views, we maybe need kind of um, some more uh, electoral reform. Um, just very one quick question, George. Um, do you think there is a kind of silver bullet for the European Union for like the um, European People's Parties, but also the Socialists and Democrats to kind of get people more on board with the EU? Or is it an incredibly complex thing? So there's not kind of one policy that could change the game as such. I think people, um, as much as these kind of smaller parties have been quite um, one stand on one policy i don't believe that the bigger parties could just implement or stand on one side of the debate and say this is what we want i think it's a lot more diverse than that and people wouldn't just vote for them just because they're gonna put their nail their flag to one side of the argument or one issue um but what do you what do you think yeah no i mean i completely agree there's a lot more nuance to it and i think a, a really good way of illustrating that is with the brexit vote obviously that was um uh that was uh, whittled down to just like one one question as such but then actually it's opened up this whole can of worms of of all these other follow-up questions that come as a result of just answering that one question you know in terms of a flow chart it would be absolutely crazy to draw that thing <laughs> um just before we go to uh the song great george how do you think this poll is going to go do you think people are going to say your skepticism's on the rise i think they will but i think it will be um I'm going to say 52% yes and 48% no. <laughs> okay. See, I'm going to go complete other end. I'm going to say that yes is going to be very high, 75%, and then 25% uh, no, it's not on the rise. But okay. you guys got the chance to vote on this. So that question again is, do the European election results show Euroscepticism is continuing to rise? And you can do that with radio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we asked, do the European election results show Euroscepticism is continuing to rise? And you guys have been voting away. So 32% of you have said yes, uh, they do, compared to 68% of you that said no, they don't. So I was completely wrong, George, and I might as well quit my <laughs> own. Well, I, I would just like to know which um, election results they saw. <laughs> Who knows, George? It was it was the local elections. I think that's the problem. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. The Brexit party didn't stand in those. Yeah, they? exactly. <laughs> I'm joking, listeners. We love you. Um, right, let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. We're asking the question: Who is the greatest music act of all time? Um, so, in recent times, we have seen a lot of films released that portray the lives of some of the. Uh, most well-known musicians. It is very hard to be able to say um, that just one musician out of the thousands is the greatest music act of all time. But we want you to at least try. Um, the options are Queen, best probably known for Bohemian Rhapsody, The Beatles, best known for either Hey Jude or Let It Be, uh, Bob Dylan, best known for Mr. Tambourine Man, Michael Jackson, best known for Thriller, Elvis Presley, best known for Hound Dog, or other best known for 
other. Um, so, <laughs> so Callum, who out of that fine list would you pick? Well, I mean, it's incredibly difficult, isn't it? As you said, George, I mean, trying to whittle it down to just a few um, was very hard because you could make a case for many, many artists. Uh, I think probably personally, um, I would be most inclined towards saying that Michael Jackson is the greatest music act of all time. Uh, I just think if you look at Michael Jackson's albums, um, they have so many amazing songs and i think uh kind of we have to probably raise there's obviously been some kind of personal allegations against michael jackson but um i mean we've done a a topic ages ago about whether or not we should kind of separate um the art from the artist i fundamentally believe we should um and i think based upon that we can still say that he's the kind of greatest music act of all time just because of the kind of stage presence that Michael Jackson had. I think probably my next pick in terms of this list would be would be Queen. I think Bohemian Rhapsody by itself is such a an amazing song that kind of changed the game, as it were. I mean, um, it, it, it merged genres really that never should have been merged and it really kind of pushed the boundaries um of, of what pop music was as such and um, so so i think queen based upon that and the kind of anthems that they've got we will rock you we had the champions that have become kind of sporting anthems in their own rights as, as well show that queen obviously have a strong case for this but i think as i said all of the names on this list do as well so if we look at bob dylan uh, Bob Dylan's songs like Blowing in the Wind, The Times They Are Changing, became anthems for the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement. So I think probably if we were asking this to a more predominantly American audience, they might well say Bob Dylan um, has a much greater role than I think in from a UK perspective. Of course, he is influential, but I don't think to the same extent to what he is in uh, American music. And I think that's kind of summed up by the fact that Barack Obama has been on record as saying there is not a bigger giant in the history of American music than Bob Dylan. Uh, and then kind of looking at Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, uh, the best-selling solo artist um, of, of all time. Um, and he holds the record for the most songs charting in Billboard's Top 40 as well. Um, and I think kind of, again, uh, Elvis's charisma and his stage presence and the way that he took um a genre that wasn't really traditionally sung by uh singers such as himself and 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 kind of made it his own um is is evidence that he he obviously has a claim to this as well i mean where do you stand on this george where where, what do you think is the or who do you think rather is the greatest music act of all time um, I would just like to, to apologise to everyone that there aren't any female acts on here. Um, and, and I think probably maybe in the near future, Callum and I will do this question again where there are just solely female acts. Um, yeah. I I must say that I probably will be uh, vouching for Queen because in my, in my opinion, their music is just outstanding. And, you know, they do everything from uh, really heartfelt gorgeous music that can make you quite emotional to some of the the best upbeat get you in the mood 
songs and and i and i think the way they performed them live and on and on um the records were just incredible you know i i would love to have been able to see queen live um and you know bohemian rhapsody playing that in the car full volume up you know people the neighbors hate it but i love it so it's it, it is it is Queen is is incredible, and I, and I think it will be very hard for another band to be able to triumph like they did. Yeah. Um, second best, if I have my pick, as much as I love Michael Jackson and I do in terms of his music, I think his music is is fantastic. I would probably actually have to go for the Beatles. Um, I think some of their music is so so catchy. Some of their songs, when they get into your head, it's very hard to get them back out of yeah. your head. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe it's probably because of uh, my parents, but but they, I heard quite a lot of the Beatles, probably more from my grandparents as well, actually. Um, and, you know, just the songs like Hey Jude and everything, just such fantastic songs that, that I still like listening to. I mean, if anybody was, I say lucky enough, but if anybody was lucky enough to um, have an experience of driving in my car with me, you would find out that my playlist is full of all these old songs. You know, there isn't actually very much modern things, modern <laughs> songs in there. Um, and it's very rare for me to venture out to uh, find a modern song that I like. But a lot of these are like the classics from Queen, Michael Jackson, the Beatles and and, and everyone else. And, and I, I think it's so hard to be able to just put your whole vote into one person. Um, but it, but it, for me, like I said, I, I absolutely do believe it's Queen. Um, so I'm guessing, Callum, as you said, Michael Jackson, I, I'm, is he the one person, if they were still alive in the history of music and, and artists, that you would want to go and see? Um, well, that's a very interesting one. Um, I, I think probably, realistically, I'd, I'd rather see the Beatles, actually, than... Than Michael Jackson. I, I do think Michael Jackson is the greatest music actor of all time, but um, I think <laughs> he he may have been slightly tarnished in my mind by the kind of allegations that have gone against him. Mm. May well have been an influence of it. I think it does also depend upon what Michael Jackson we're, we're talking about. I mean, are we talking about the Michael Jackson towards the end of his career? Um, I probably wouldn't want to see Michael Jackson live in, in that case, but early Michael Jackson, um, probably much more likely. Um, I, I think it's also a really interesting thing you raised, George, in terms of obviously female music acts. I think, yeah, you're dead right to uh, apologise for that because I think that's a massive oversight on our, our part to have not included um, a female act in terms of this. Uh, I mean, George, just broadly, I mean, who who do you think maybe there is a female act should have been included oh god i mean there's there's quite a few i would probably go for someone either like um celine dion or uh someone like whitney houston yeah yeah no i mean i think yeah whitney houston is a is a really good um claim i think i'm not so sure about celine dion to be honest <laughs> uh, i think if we're looking at it from maybe a more modern perspective one that possibly maybe not right now could be included but may well end up being included in these kind of lists maybe adele as well i think yeah, adele's music is true. amazing i think her voice is incredible mm -hmm. i mean it, going going back to the question that i asked you for me i honestly i think 
as much as there are those allegations against Michael Jackson, he put on such a show in terms of his dancing and everything. And yeah. I think that would have been amazing to see. Um, but, but I mean, <laughs> it's a bit, bit kind of biased to me, but I would still, as much as I would love to go and see Queen and everything, I think I would rather go and see Michael Bublé out of anyone, even though I've already <laughs> seen him. I would go and see him again. Because, I, I mean, I just love his music. Why is yeah. Michael Bublé not on this list? <laughs> I, bought, I mean, that was going to be a question I had for you. Other than Michael Bublé, then, I mean, <laughs> of of kind of um, artists that are making music currently. Oh, gosh. Um, and are currently in the charts, like, yeah. kind of regularly. Who, who do you think should be included there? Am I, am I allowed to say Noel Gallagher? Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you can you can say Noel Gallagher and just, I mean, still mind George, nice one. Well, I, you introduced me to Noel Gallagher and <laughs> I've stolen it, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you've got a, a t-shirt with Noel Gallagher's high flying birds on it, George. Well, but... Because I I bought you that. I didn't want to <laughs> buy myself one. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, I think uh, kind of talking about Noel Gallagher and and Oasis in general, I think they are a, a band that could could um, make a strong claim for this as well. I mean, Oasis probably are um, one of the acts that I'd most like to see. But obviously, with your earlier question, uh, neither of them are, are dead. So we're, we're all right now. There's still hope that they might get back <laughs> together. Uh, you you never, never know. There is. I mean, if I, if I win the Euro Millions, I'll be paying them a lot of money to make sure they do get back together. <laughs> um, right. So, Callum, who do you think is going to come out on top? Um, I think... Because of the recent Bohemian Rhapsody film, I reckon Queen will come out on top. What about you? I definitely think uh, Queen will be be up there, but I, I think Elvis Presley will be second, personally. Okay. Um, right, okay, so remember to vote on um, who is the greatest music act of all time, and the options are Queen, The Beatles, Bob Dylan, Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley or other. And you could do that on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. We'll be back incredibly soon. Hello and uh, welcome back. Before the break, we ask who is the greatest music act of all time? And the options for that were Queen, which got 28%, uh, The Beatles, which got 31%, Bob Dylan, 9%, Michael Jackson, 21%, and Elvis Presley, 7%, and then Other with 4%. Uh, so, George, I actually I hedged my bets a little bit in the, uh, the song break, didn't I? And I said that I thought possibly The Beatles would come out on top. Or are you going to verify that or, or not, George? Uh, oh, actually, it appears George has actually just left the line. But uh, I did actually hedge my bets, bets, everyone. I did say that the Beatles uh, would come out on top. And obviously, Queen was the other one that I predicted. Uh, and they managed to come out uh, in second place there. Um, and I also think probably Michael Jackson's numbers were probably affected, obviously, by those allegations that we've seen surface about his personal life. Moving on to the next question, and we are asking, do you believe in miracles? So um, some of uh, the miracles that we have seen um, in kind of religious scripture are Jesus turning water to wine, the Buddha's twin miracle, and Elijah uh, raising a widow's dead son in Judaism. Um, 
broadly speaking, miracles are freak occurrences that happen outside the laws of nature or with a kind of rational explanation. And although the phrase has taken a more liberal use in current society. So, George, now you're back. Uh, in the words of hot chocolate, perfect timing as well. Do you believe in miracles? What, what did I miss? <laughs> Nothing I mean, at all. I, I handled it brilliantly. Are you? Did you, though? <laughs> You'll listen back later on. I will. Instead. I mean, what, what a miracle that I came back. Um, <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, I promise, just to make that joke. Um, do I believe in miracles? It makes me want to sing that song. Um, is there a song? I don't know. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> there yeah, is. That's the hot chocolate reference that I just made, George. Ah, nice. Brilliant. Well done, mate. <laughs> Um, Thank you. <laughs> I kind of do believe in miracles. I, 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 th I, I don't know. But, well, I wouldn't like to admit that I believe in miracles, but I do believe in miracles because sometimes things happen that don't have any explanation. And I'm like, wow. Um, and I think because of that, I do believe in miracles, even though I wouldn't necessarily admit to it. Does that make any sense? Well, you've just admitted to it on the radio so i, I keep I, doing this don't i i keep admitting to things and, and i forget i'm live on radio that for people to hear all the time now so uh to be famous george it's it's a, it's a terrible thing isn't it it's really makes life difficult yeah you'll you'll find out one what, uh, soon Callum. <laughs> nice one <laughs> councillor cup i mean i i personally uh do do not believe in miracles sorry i oh. i I think that miracles generally have a kind of rational explanation. We might not be able to, to say for sure what, what they are yet, but I think generally um, they do have some kind of explanation that means they're not kind of transcending the laws of nature. Um, and I think if we kind of look at religious miracles and miracles throughout history, they're normally exaggerated for kind of propaganda purposes. I think if we look at somewhere like in China with, with Mao, he went on the kind of long march where the, um, the uh, Chinese Communist Party was under extreme threat and it looked like it was going to completely die out sort of thing. And they went on this long march um, to kind of salvation. But the actual real story, what actually happened is a lot less kind of Hollywood than that. And I think a lot of the times when things are depicted um, in such a Hollywood way um, in terms of miracles, I, I think it is because it's been exaggerated as such. You, I mean, have you, sorry, George, you carry on. Yeah, no, I will. Um, do you think, <laughs> do you think miracles though are, are just a, like a, a nice way to kind of explain things that maybe people didn't expect? So it, it, it brings like a jolly aspect to it, doesn't it? Oh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get, I completely get that. And I think uh, a miracle as a, as a phrase to mean kind of like a, oh, you've saved me sort of thing. I think that's perfectly fine. But I think the kind of getting back to the kind of root definition of what a miracle is, I, I, I think, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a nice thing to think has happened, but I think in, in reality, there, there's a reason for it. I mean, have you got an example maybe of, George, of, of a miracle that's happened in, in your life then or a miracle that you believe in if you do tend to uh, believe in miracles? Well, I think the biggest miracle was um, the day that I came into your life, Callum. 
because <laughs> I was I was the biggest miracle that's ever happened to you. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you know. On that note, really, we should be heading to the song break, and then I can just swerve commenting on that at all. (laughs) Um, But don't forget to vote on this poll, guys. Do you believe in miracles? And of course, the options are yes or no. And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, do you believe in miracles? And 29% of you said yes, you do, compared to 71% of you that said no, you don't. Right, we've actually reached the time to end this evening's show. So thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Cup and Gert. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question... Do you think the UK's driving test is a fair way to test your ability in driving and why? And you can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter. That's at wizardradio. So remember, the question is, do you think the UK's driving test is a fair way to test your ability in driving and why? And we're really looking forward to hearing your opinions next week. But it is now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So as always, I've been George Lawrence Cup. And I've been Callum Gurr. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode to be discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.